ready to go if you are. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw me playing with myself on stream. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that. No. You know. You know. I, I gotta give the fans what they want. Gotta give them um, some Only Tusks content. A preview of our Only Tusks website one yes. day. Right? Our oh, yeah. Pay-per-view for walruses. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's how we do. That's how we do. All right. All right. All right let's get going know? here. So going, right. hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby. If you're brand new to the show, the show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic: The Gathering and more. And once again, this week I have brought on the amazing, the talented, the astronomically cool Dante. Hi, everybody. And for those who are watching over on the Walrus Game Studio channel, uh, you know this has kind of become a routine for us to simulcast. Um, we talk about what Matt's doing as well as what Walrus Game Studio is doing. A lot of collaboration yeah. between the two efforts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so just so everybody knows, this podcast is brought to you by Walrus Game Studio. And we're doing another Walrus Water Cooler podcast. I promise we will get back to some regularly scheduled Magic the Gathering content, but... We're, I think for the next few weeks, it'll be primarily Walrus-based because not only do we have a book coming out extremely shortly, uh, we also have a lot of exciting news about our game, Network Engineer Simulator. <clears throat> yep. It's, so um, it, it's coming, and there's lot, all kinds of cool <laughs> development around it. So Yeah. It's... Um, it's it's i don't know it's still weird like it's actually happening like we actually have a book coming out um yeah. accidentally went live by accident today <laughs> that was funny yeah I, I i got the email stating like hey the book's live i'm like wait what no <laughs> we're not ready not yet not yet no no not but, um, yet at all and then the response and feedback we keep getting from Network Engineer Simulator just continues to amaze me. It it, it really does. I mean, it's uh, it's crazy, isn't it? it I mean, it you know, kind of is. Um, the there is, I guess, there's a game for everybody and everything. Um, right. And we're scratching that itch. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to go. I don't know what your agenda is, but um, I won't say anything until we get to topics. Yeah. And so uh, we'll start off with some introductions. Um, so what have you been up to, Dante? You been doing anything fun? Um, sure. I know there's been a lot of coding involved. <laughs> uh, Fun-wise, well, <laughs> define fun. So um, it's no secret that we're based in Ohio and the weather's been warm, so... I guess fun. I got to jump start on some uh, some outdoor stuff that I wanted to address. So um, it was fulfilling. Let's put it that way. Fun, sorta fulfilling. Yes. Um, nice. So there's just le it will be less to do when it's really warm, and I can enjoy enjoy myself more then. So. Oh, I bet. I bet. I don't. I don't know what it's like to actually live in winter, but I can say. 
I kind of know what it's like because lately in Florida, it's been cold almost every day and I'm getting kind of <clears> sick <throat> of it. Like today it didn't get up any higher than 66 degrees. Really? Yeah. And I'm, I'm dying here. Okay. Holy. Mm, that's uh that's kind of, um, that's crazy, man. I mean, it kind of is cause I've had to have the heat on my house on like almost every day for the past four days in a row because it it gets cold okay and because like anything below 75 i start freezing really yeah so it's um it's not fun i I don't know i don't want to know what it's like to actually live in a place where it gets actually cold (laughs) because i would suffer it gets cold, man. That's 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 what I can tell you. It's, um, you know, but it, it's really weird. You get used to it. Um, yeah. I know all the northern people are probably like, dude, you know, it is. You just get used to it. It's like it's like me complaining about how hot it is when I go to Florida, right? Yeah. Well, you get used to it. And... Yeah. I mean, I I just think back to when I was up there last summer when we went to the Irish Fest and everyone was complaining. It's like it's so humid. It's so hot. And I'm like. This is perfect. <laughs> this is perfect weather right now. I'm like, I, I kept looking at people. I'm like, don't, don't complain to him because he is not the person to talk to about this. Like it was gorgeous yeah. out that day. It really was. People just, you know, they're used to cold and dry for six months yeah. of the year. So oh, I know. Like anytime I go to a climate that is not as humid as Florida, I feel like I shrivel up. Yeah, <laughs> and then like I, I'm praising for the humidity when I come back to Tampa. That I, I Matt, I'm just gonna be honest. I don't know that I will ever look forward to hot and humid in my lifetime, unless there's a very <laughs> large body of water for me to jump into. It's it, it's it's hard to describe because it's um, as I know what you mean. Like the times like I go to Vegas every year for work. Right, mm-hmm. it's so dry out there, and I feel so gross, and I feel like my skin just shriveling. Even like you know, try really? moisturizer and stuff, um, eye oh, drops man. and nose spray, nasal spray, and it's like. And then when I get back in Tampa, I'm like, oh my god, thank god, <laughs> the humidity. <laughs> I, I I go through none of that when I'm in Vegas. It's just like, eh, it's hot. Yeah, I'll tell you what. One time, uh, early in my career, right, I was uh, doing some work that uh, I really am not going to talk about, but I was in the Texas Panhandle. And, oh, I thought you were um, talking about your Area 51 work. Okay. Oh, that's right. We I can't was, talk about that. <clears throat> I was in the Texas Panhandle uh, in the middle of summer, and holy F, man, I was uh, outside of Amarillo, about 45 minutes outside of Amarillo. Texas and you want to talk about hot and dry it was uh was 115 degrees oh no humidity right the weird thing was is you actually because there was no humidity you couldn't at least for me guys used to not not humid weather right um you couldn't you couldn't really tell um, it, I mean, it was kind of dangerous, right? The only way you knew was once you jumped in a swimming pool and got out, and you're like, "Oh crap, man, it is hot." Yeah. Um, but it was it was fierce, man. That that week was just brutal. 
town. Yeah, it's normally for work we go to uh, Vegas in June, and there was one year we went and it was so hot outside, but it was really breezy. Right? It's so mm-hmm. it's different in Florida. Like when it's hot and humid but breezy, it's not that bad, right? Like it's it's right. bad, but you know it's at least tolerable. But when it's like hot and dry and windy, it's horrible. It's just you have nothing but hot air blowing in your face. It feels like you're standing in front of an oven. Yeah, in, I think that's the was the saving grace. There was no wind for that period of time. I mean, it was just a hot, still, very dry. So it's just like being like literally in an oven. Um, I think yeah. if there had been sand blowing around or, you know, I mean, it was a very dusty environment. <clears throat> it would have been miserable. But, um, yeah, it, you you do bring up a good point very good point but it was um it was interesting being in that kind of heat for a little bit um it's really weird so it's strange you got to really be careful hydrate you're constantly drinking oh yeah oh yeah it's i feel like i I don't know it's um and maybe this could just be because i'm so used to humid environments but at least when i'm in dry environments i can feel my i know when i'm getting thirsty and all mm-hmm. that like you know when you're dehydrating more compared to what in humid weather it's uh, it can almost be like tricky in a sense especially when it gets to that like wet bulb humidity oh or, like, god you yeah. just can't cool down at all yeah that's <clears throat> I, I i hate that man i hate that feeling yeah it's bad though oh man all right all right so we got that um I've been this past week. Um, I'm starting work on book two of Dark Storm, our mm-hmm. second book. Uh, yeah, and I'm back on that stupid World of Warcraft crack. I mean, I'm never gonna quit it ever, but I'm man, back on I it. tell you what, it's got it's got its hooks in me, but it's uh, it's it's a rare moment when I even bother to log into it. Well, but, I know we're all going to be logging into it this summer with the new expansion coming out. That is true. We will be doing that. Because sure. we know... I think maybe that's why we're trying to uh, get so much work done on the game and the book. Because we know come summer we're going to be obsessed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's just, just a ton of stuff happening. I mean, it's it's kind of already happening. There's a lot going on already, and it's only going to... It's just going to be a crazy year for us. Um, you, mean, you mean for Walrus or just life in general? Well, a little bit of life in general, but definitely for you and I when the rest of the Walrus team, right? We got we got a ton going on. Oh yeah. Um Well, I guess yeah, I guess let's tab. get in let's get into Walrus stuff, yeah. Let's get into All it. All right, sure. And start talking about what we got going on. <laughs> All right. Well, the first and most important thing is you know, we're we're uh producing that the game network engineer simulator um and we are um you know we've gotten some initial feedback and we took that initial feedback very seriously and uh i think it's safe for for those who think it's just like oh it's just a wiring closet game literally it's just the satisfaction of like um i would say the same kind of satisfaction you would get from like uh a power washer simulator where you just mm-hmm. have to hose everything down correctly and 
And in this case, you just got to click everything in the right place correctly, and then that's it, and you move on to the next thing. If <clears throat> if that's how you're seeing this game, uh, it's um, I'd say that's a little short-sighted. Um, yes, Agreed. there is going to be like an arcade mode, but there's more to it than just that. There's more to it than just clicking cables, right? Um, and then there's, of course, super hard mode, uh, whatever you want to call it, epic mode, legendary mode, where um, it's, you know, we're really looking at it um, very seriously to try to replicate the real world. Um, will it happen in the demo release? No, it's not going to be there in the demo release. Uh, you know, I don't know when it's going to show up, but but the roadmap is that at some point in time, this game, you will literally be able to do like simulated network traffic on it and yep. to different devices. Now, to that end, we've already um, we've already written the code. I maybe shouldn't have spoiled that, but um, we're kind of trying to get a lot of the hard stuff out of the way first. Mm -hmm. um, but the the back end code to manage frames, real Ethernet frames, they are modeled after the real deal um preamble mac addresses the frame the inner block gap all that stuff all accounted for and he's writing wow. this from scratch people which just Pro blows my mind <laughs> <laughs> well <clears throat> i uh i i mean matt's sandbagging a little bit because i, I do have an engineering degree and early in my life it did do a little early networking uh, very early on in my career um, but I am not nearly the caliber of network engineers like Matt and some other people on the team right I know the the kind of down and dirty basics well <clears throat> well and the the thing that you don't sell yourself short on because it's we've had a lot of conversations just like how an ethernet frame operates right the very basics and then we basically explain it and then you just code it, which to me just blows my mind. Just that you're able to take that information and make it into a usable code like that. I don't know how you that that is what amazes me. Like I don't know how you do that. You know, I, like I can read and understand your code, right? Right. But I don't know how you just create it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I. You know, a lot of people have that. How do I put it? Like in my real work, my real job, right? <laughs> there is skepticism when I just produce things on the fly. Like we'll get out of a meeting mm -hmm. half an hour later. I'm like, okay, take a look at this. There's usually, you know, especially in the management team, <laughs> greeted with a little skepticism. Like he didn't really think this through. But I'm going to be honest with you. There's, you know, obviously I've got, I've got a few of these little gray things on me, right? And, uh, you know... <laughs> There are, you know, you reach a point where your brain is just wired differently than most human beings. Uh, that's the only way I can put it. Um, I'm able to kind of conceptualize things into data structures inside my head. I'm not patting myself on the back. I think that there's a lot of people at my level who can do these sorts of things, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, I could that say the sense. same thing about, I could say the same thing about network engineering. Like when you guys start talking about, you know subnets and you know all this other stuff and i'm just sitting there like uh yeah you know if i were to be setting that up everybody in the world would just go they'd have straight access to every single asset on the network because i would 
totally bodger it up, right? Allow any, so, any. Yeah, <laughs> like everybody would be getting to everything. So, you know, <clears throat> um, I, I, I think I think when people become very, very good at what they know how to do for a living, um, I, I think it just it's natural and it maybe seems – uh, you know, it seems like almost crazy or like, wow, I can't yeah, believe somebody yeah. can just do that. It, it's just, it's not. It's what I'm trained to do. Uh, I am trained to take concepts and translate them into code. Just like no, no, a lot and, of people are. I, I get that because I can do the same, like you said, with networking. Like I can, you know, either develop a network out of scratch, um, make it work, design, implement, you know, write up network switches from scratch or like look at a bunch of networking code and it it makes all sense to me but you look at it you may be like um <laughs> what is all this so i yeah. mean it, it's it's same thing right it is yeah. i mean you know, now the thing with networking that has it has an advantage over say solving another business problem right um is that networking is really hand in glove with the whole concept of computer science right there mm -hmm. are there's like eight bytes in the preamble well you can represent that as an array of eight bytes in in memory or in code right and there are you know what uh i forget six bytes for each mac address so i mean the the ethernet frame itself as mystical as this thing might seem to the most of the world actually is a well it's a well-structured data object. It actually mm -hmm. is really well-structured. Um, it has a variable length, but you can easily account for that. And um, and it's all just bytes. And it's electrically represented on the wire as a series of bytes in a certain order. And that there are certain ones that have hard-coded values. They have to have that value or else they are considered to be a bad – it's considered to be a bad frame and it will be dropped. You know, so – um, in the end, the Ethernet frame was actually the easiest thing to, to put together. To code that was really straightforward. The standards are there. You just got to read them and have someone like you available to answer some serious questions about, you know, like, like for instance, one of the biggest, one of the biggest things we struggled with was, okay, when, when a machine boots, when, when a workstation or a server boots, what is the very first frame that that server sends on the wire, right? And I could not find an answer on the internet. So if somebody is listening to this and has that answer, I'd love to, just out of curiosity's sake, I would love to know what the very first frame is. Now, Matt and a lot of other networking people have said it. it's up for grabs, right? It's whatever. It, it depends. It depends, <laughs> right? Like if it if it needs DHCP, that's probably one of the first things it's going to do. It's going to go looking for an IP address. So it's going to issue a DHCP frame. So, and I get that. Or if it's if it's hard coded, maybe it's a DNS. It's trying to resolve its its DNS or like host a Kerberos if... request if it's on an Active Directory domain. Yep. You know something, right? So, so there's some random. So we, in the end, we we architected the game so that there's only one of two possible options. It's either going to, it's either the first frame that any connected host will toss out in game to to the network will be and, and again this is advanced stuff this isn't going to be available right away right we're talking mm -hmm. way in the future 
But we've settled in. It's either going to be a DNS pa- DNS frame or it's going to be a DHCP frame. Done. Just right? to make it simple. because Just to make it simple. Right? I mean, yeah, because we can't we can't account for every single possibility. I mean, right. not, not with what, just this small team, we have to make it simple. Yeah. And, and honestly, even, even, even getting down to that level, we feel like we've, we've done, uh, we've done some work, right? We, we've, yeah. we've tried to make this close to reality. I mean, I, I, if you want reality, reality, go buy the equipment and the wires and plug them into the wall yeah. and, and have at it. Um, but we're just trying to build something that can be as simple as an arcade and as zen as connecting cables with lights cleaning turning up on, closets and all that stuff, and cleaning up a wiring closet. Um, there's more to the game than just that. There, there is a backstory to the game as well, which I can't. Uh, w- well, I mean, no, we're, we're, we're not going to spoil it or anything, but I can't wait till we start developing it and designing it because that's going to be fun. Yeah, so there's there's actually a real game story that goes with yeah. this, but if you need something as just give me beginner level or just give me a a data center so I can just kind of plug wires in and have some fun and zen out, man, it's going to be available to you. If you want to say I need to log into an, an a console, pull up a net OS, and start monitoring packets and all that stuff, eventually Switching we're going to get there. Yeah, we're going to get to a point where. Like I said, I, I've mentioned to a lot of people we're focusing on layer two first. So layer two. When we um, get to that point with the terminal, you know, we'll do we'll do a lot of basic stuff, right? Like turning up and down ports, setting speed and duplex, changing VLANs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, turn. Uh, what, what I know there's like a million other things, but it's just basics like that, right? It, uh, if you like, if you if you are I would put it this way. If you are a person who wants to just connect some wires and see some results and kind of progress the game story, you're going to have a game to play. Yeah. If you're somebody who wants to <laughs> essentially get in real dirty and play with like routing and very complex networking tasks, um, we're, we're hoping – Again, big word, we're hoping. We're hoping to also provide that for you, experience for you yeah. as well, where you have an OS and you can monitor, you know, network traffic moving back and forth between different devices, unplug a cable, watch alarms go off, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, <clears throat> it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, we think. And I, I think that different there are going to be different people coming to it for different reasons. Um but overall, it should be enjoyable to people. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. It's um, as mentioned earlier, we've been getting so much great feedback from it. I mean, we have people joining our Walrus Discord almost every day, asking, "Can I play test? Can I? I want to play this." We even have like network engineers and architects, people who've been in the business for a long time, reaching out like, "Hey, I want to help. I want to play." It's like, and, and it's funny to me because it's. You know, it's it's funny because we've gotten some that like been in the industry for ten to twenty years. You know, this is their day job, and now they want to play a game that, <laughs> you know, hey, this is what you do for a living. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I and it's encouraging, right? I mean, it really yeah. is. I mean, it's uh, getting the kind of feedback 
um, it's encouraging. It makes you want to do it. So, and and we've reached out to. Uh, so there's there's music. There's music in the game. You know that yes. kind of. I wouldn't. I just 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 you know synth kind of. Um, <clears throat> like sort of like okay. lo fi vibes. Like like yeah. Like like kind of chill music where it's you you don't even really notice it per se. You know what I mean? Like it just sort of blends in with the game where but if it were if you take it away you'll you know you'll just hear the ac ducks running <laughs> yep and to that end um we have reached uh, uh, <clears throat> uh somebody that we are aware of right we Ooh, uh, i need we to ask you about that if there's been any update on it no i think we just need to ping that person again but um okay. there was there's somebody who we had the opportunity to listen to some some music that he had put together in the past um it's not it's not like he does it for a living but he's he, i i feel like he's pretty good at it um and i'm definitely not going to say anything more than that on this topic other than we have reached out to him and he has uh uh he looked us over and has expressed some some tentative excitement about uh you know putting some uh, putting some vibes together for us putting some some chill kind of uh, music soundtrack together. Uh, he mentioned that, um, you know, he's tried to do that in the past and reached out to other game studios and uh, didn't, you know, it didn't pan out for him, but, um, you know, he said that he'd be willing to talk to us to see what we could work out. So, yeah. you know, may have, <clears throat> uh, may have somebody who, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be really cool if this individual worked with us i i i, I like this yeah. i've never never met him in person but i've seen plenty of him and i think he's a fantastic human being based off of uh what i've seen of this person so we'll let it go with that yeah no i'm excited i hope i need to try to get them on the podcast too just to interview them we'll, we'll try hopefully yeah. hopefully we get to that point yeah so i mean that that's exciting it's um We've got someone doing the logo for the game right now, actually. They're working on uh, concept art for the logo. Yep. And so hopefully we'll have that. We'll have some idea of like what, it, what it'll look like in the next couple weeks and all that. Um, God, what else? Oh, oh, oh. So I, 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 I don't know yet, but I did see some pictures from our other dev of our demo level is starting to get built because a couple weeks ago I made some Visio diagrams for how I wanted mm. the demo level to be presented in the puzzles with it. And okay. they've been taking my Visios and putting them um, in the game now. Um, they've built four out of the eight racks. And nice. I, I, think, I think there's still some programming having to be done behind it. Like, you know, making sure port one connects to port 45 and it turns on whatever services and stuff. And, um, but it, it's, it's just kind of cool. Like I've seen some early pictures of what the racks look like and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's my Visio diagrams coming to life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I saw those images too. That looks yeah. pretty cool. It's yeah. pretty cool. So, so um, that almost kind of gets me excited. Like hopefully we're not too far off from a demo. We should be getting close to something. Yeah. Um, you know. Not trying to look, rush just, anything or anything, but. 
I'm just a back end coder guy. Uh, you know, he, you know, the other guys are in charge of uh, all the fun, all the fun stuff. <laughs> what are you talking about? Wait, wait until we get into all the different layer two protocols, the difference between CDP and LLDP and exactly how spanning tree protocol works with rapid spanning mm -hmm. tree protocol and port. Yeah, that's PVSTP. all. That, it, so again, that's all code. <laughs> I know. Uh, and setting up BPDU protocols. And um, okay, I'm dreading when we get to the spanning tree part. Oh my god, it's ah. So you so you started explaining that to me, and yeah. I also <clears throat> looked that up online. Uh, that's going to be interesting. That's yeah, it's not be fun. Interesting. And what's funny about spanning tree is so much of it is automated at this point. Like when you when you configure spanning tree on a switch nowadays, it's really just it's essentially typing in spanning tree turn on and then it mm. just does everything else behind the scenes. Like there's still other stuff you can configure and edit, you know, if you want to get that granular, but yeah. You know, there's so much behind the scenes work that happens with spanning tree. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get, get there. Yeah. We'll get to it. So. <laughs> Those are going to be very fun nights, AKA. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's, it's going to be like, why doesn't this work? It's going to remind me all of my NetPlus, CCNA and CCMP studying of having to understand how all those operate. See, and you thought you'd never have practical use for all that studying. Here you go. Right. Uh, yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> great. I just want to, you know, I just want to put says, speak as they say in the film industry put this in the can one day and you know get on to one of our other walrus projects other game projects i think the next one so just you know in case anybody uh goes to our website uh it's seriously looking like the um there's really two two options on the table one we may go back to the our kind of starter game, the one where we're trying to learn how to um, do a lot of things. Well, <laughs> we've been doing that with network engineer simulators, so not sure how much that's actually needed anymore. But, um, you know, Walrus Ago Go, the uh, kind of PvP, you know, Soul Survivor, uh, last Walrus on an Iceberg game. I think we get, I think we have to make that now. Oh, yeah. Just, just because of the name, right? The... Not not just the name, but I think everything you guys are learning while designing and coding <laughs> network sim, they'll just be able to apply it a lot easier to Walrus A Go Go. And, and now that we have version control too, holy crap! Oh, it yeah. won't be just you working on it. That's true. That is massively true. Yeah. Actually, I don't know that we've ever have we ever officially streamed like the um like the. Oh, the Walrus the AI. Yeah, the AI um, guys. I know we had some point last year. We did. All right. I think I think only the people on my stream are going to be able to pick this up. Yeah, we won't be able to see it on here. Um, but I mean, let's um, let's save that for another time because it, it'll it would take me a little bit too long to try to set it up here. Um, but yeah, that that could be a thing where when we get to a point where we can show people like what you've done in there. 
Yeah, it's just the the AI is phenomenal. It's just yeah. the movement, the movement of the wildlife is really what we liked, um, what we've developed, and I think we need to give it. You know, we need to give it a platform to shine on because it oh, was yeah. it was so cool. But um, so we'll probably crank that one out, and then I know we're there's been a few people inside the company who want to take a really big bat and take a really big swing at something. So we'll see. I know. <laughs> um, I'm just going to stick with books for now. <laughs> well, you're one, you're one of the drivers. I know. I know. I know. I you, am. Can't, um, you can't just sit, you can't throw us out there and then just sit behind the book. Right. By the way, uh, our walrus. Yes. Walrus t-shirt. Walrus swag right there. So that kind of leads <clears throat> into some more swag news. Um, kind of a nice good segue so i am working on a little giveaway for people who purchase our book um i don't have all the details of it yet but uh, it's going to essentially be if you can show proof of purchase of the book the physical book not just the pdf um you know maybe we can do something special for the pdf as well too but for people who actually purchase the book there's going to be some stuff given away, um, and I think it's going to be cool. I, I need to order the products and just make sure that they come to us decently in the way that I want them to. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I'm excited about that. There will be more details to come. This is an announcement of an announcement. Um and speaking of another announcement, we have officially ordered the printer proof of the book. Um, I'm hoping it comes soon. Like I keep checking it every day, and it says it's it's in line at the printer. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just one copy. Come on, <laughs> how long does it take? Yeah, and if I may put in a plug for ourselves, right? A little. Um, you know, we had some unsolicited feedback on the book. We weren't looking for it, um, but it was provided oh, to right. us. And uh, Matt, I you you heard it in your own you know in your own words what was said. Uh, let me um, actually look it up. <clears throat> oh, while he's looking that up, um, basically, um, you know, it was very positive, right? And this is uh, the person providing the feedback probably sees tons of this stuff all the time, yeah. Um, because it's the nature of their job. So, <clears throat> um, you know, it was it was welcome to hear that. You know what they had to say. Yeah. So hold on, I just had it, and then of course I see a work email that distracts me. Um, okay, they said this is a gorgeous book packed with quality art that breathes life into the NPCs. A ton of interesting locations to explore and a compelling adventure premise. There you go. That's sort of our first review, and I gotta say, that's pretty damn awesome. I, I would agree with that. Pretty damn awesome. And again, this is this comes from a person who is <clears throat> is doing this for a living. Like they they have to look at all these like different submissions and and uh, you know content all the time as part of their job. So yeah. I'll, I'll take, take it. it. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. So as soon as, because we're we're essentially ready to make this product go live, like make it public. Mm 
um, and it went accidentally public today, and we had to. I had to quickly scramble and say, "No, don't make it go public yet." <laughs> um, but the the thing that we're we're just waiting on the proof, and as long as the proof looks good, it's then I can actually set a date and start you know the marketing campaign. It's just hard to yep. start a marketing campaign when you don't have any idea when you can actually have it release. That's true. So, it, um, yeah. But do, do you want to give them the name of the name of it? I, you know. Oh yeah, I, th I think we again? did it. Yeah, last week. Uh, Dark Storm Adventures: Silver Flames Legacy Escape to Stangate. The trailer is out. Um, can be found on our Walrus Game Studio YouTube channel. Uh. You know, you can see the artwork of the book. Our our artist Valder did amazing. We're Crazy hiring him work, again. Man. We're hiring him oh again. Oh my god! Like, listen, listen. He, he is he is our artist, for lack of a better, you know, wording. Not 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 that we're ever gonna go not get other artists or anything, but. Like, right, 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 right. But it just, yeah, he did such an amazing job. Like I couldn't, like, be happier. Yeah, I mean, he took he took ideas. So sort of like the way Matt at the beginning of this uh, cast kind of tried to, you know, butter me up a little bit and, you know, say how great of a programmer I was. Right. Uh, it's the same thing with this guy, man. Uh, we just threw some random ideas and concepts at him, and he came back with exactly what we were thinking, but like better. visualizing, like, but be better, better, like better. I wasn't, we I wasn't picturing on that kind of detailed and scale. And and, and yeah. it reminds me when some point last year, you, me, and Kurt, we were talking about the kind of fantasy art we want, <clears throat> and we were looking mm -hmm. at a whole bunch of concepts. Of, you yeah. know the old '80s and '90s fantasy style art, and he nailed it. He did. He did. So, you know, just for those listening, right? We a lot of our fantasy kind of visualizations, the art that we, you know, we're all a little bit old school. We're on the, uh, we're more in the '90s, late '80s kind of art style with, um, you know, with fantasy art. You know, that's kind of what we grew up with. That's kind of what we like. Um, you know, we're <clears throat> A lot of the, I think this is a fair, not criticism, but it's a fair statement. A lot of uh, a lot of the modern artwork around Dungeons and Dragons, if we can say that word without getting sued, right? Or Pathfinder, <laughs> or or any of these other systems, right? You know, they're more um, they're more realistic looking. They're more like let's, what if it was real? kind of artwork right yeah. it's, it's a lot it's a lot more realistic looking whereas you know the earlier art stuff was more fantastical you know it was <clears throat> you know it was you know the the big huge warrior who looks more like a bodybuilder than you know a functional warrior with a you yeah. know a big heavy sword you know <clears throat> These are fantastic it's fantastical imagery for fantastical games right and you know the the almost photorealism of the new artwork. I don't know. It seemed like it um, it's a little too diminishing, in my opinion. It's a little it, too it's a little homogenous, little static. Yeah. Um, and I would agree with that. But as you can see, <laughs> I was flipping through uh, my Pathfinder player core book. I will say because we when we talked about this before, we did find a bunch of Paizo art 
that whatever artist Paizo gets, like it, it kind of is reminiscent of that, um, uh, of that art we're talking about. Where compared yep. to, not that this is bad. It's not bad. Like it's good but, art, but it's you can tell it. it there's, it's it's it's, it's hard just to flat. Like yeah, because the best way I can describe it is magic cards, right? Um, Hold on, I think I can. I think I got this figured out. So you see this, right? This is uh, this is from the the GM core. I think this is what Pathfinder and Paizo are doing right. Their yeah. artwork is action oriented. Something's happening in that art, right? Whereas you look at some of the other stuff, and it's more of a a static picture. It's not so much there's action happening. It's more of like a scene is rendered, right? So and this is going to be a little bit hard to see, but so I've got two magic cards here. One that's a very old magic card and one that is from a relatively, I guess, two years ago. So this is the one that's from two years ago. I don't know if you can see it very well. Because it, it's... Yep, I can so, see it. So that's the art here, but then if you look at the one from this is like from the early '90s, right? You see that? Let's see, it, it's this is what we're kind of talking about, where it it doesn't look perfect, it doesn't look um, it's it's not photorealistic. There, no one's yeah. trying to make that scene look. Like here, here's another one too, like just of a of an island, right? And it mm -hmm. looks it's very minimalist. It's basic and it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. you know exactly yeah so it's um you know fantastical fantastical settings and stories deserve fantastical yeah you know art artwork in our opinion you know it's uh it's not something that we you know, it, it's like i don't need it to look realistic I, I i want it to be like oh my god that's really cool looking right and inspiring so yeah. That's yeah. just how Walrus looks at its art. <laughs> yep, and I can't I, I so as I'm writing book two right now, um I'm almost done with a rough draft of chapter one. Um I'm just starting to picture what some of the art may look like in my head, you know and just Dude, e excited I, about it. Um I can't wait to see what what if Wilder is doing like the book, like the ship art, I would love to see like the enemy ship and what that's going to look like. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, well, well, speaking of book two, um, so we, we don't really have much else on book one right now. Cause it's as soon as those proofs come, it's, you know, well, mm -hmm. as long as it looks good, it's up to, you know, snuff. Then we can set a release date, but book two. So I've actually been working on book two the past week and almost done with my rough draft of chapter one. And then I've already been plotting and outlining what chapter two is going to be. Um, and mm -hmm. I'm trying not to rush the process because I, I kind of want to start playtesting chapter one already, but I know I don't want to do it yet. I want to have a rough outline of all the chapters first because I know as we start playtesting internally and when we bring in some external playtesters, the story's gonna change. 
and that could affect how it changes for the upcoming chapters as well too so, well, that's true that's true hang on a second well it looks like your head oh was your headset about to die it was yeah it was getting red oh so. that's what that red was okay yeah that's what the the red was right there it's letting me know that you probably need to plug it in okay um <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot we could say about BookTube, and I think it just needs to yeah. it needs to just come out um, out of our minds and onto paper and pencil and then into writing and then artwork. It's um, it's it's a great storyline, man. I mean, we've got this thing all planned out. Like the roadmap for this book series is really good, in my opinion. Well, see, really it, it, good content, and it's. It's funny you mention that because even though, like, early on, I knew what was going to happen in book two, like, the basics of it, and since starting it, it's already changed. Like, that, mm -hmm. that's just part of the creative process, right? Where yep, it, it's already changed, and, and I have an idea of what I want to do for book three, but I know that's <sighs> going to change by the time I get to it, so. Yep. It's, it's going to be a fun little trilogy. You know? Yeah, it is. I'm hoping, you know, barring life, that I, I can get book two done this year. But we'll see, you know. Hey, look, uh, this time last year, we were just starting to consider it, right? We weren't even talking about any pre-production, any thinking, no play testing, no concepts, no ideas. Oh, I, was nothing, still, right? I was still writing it, yeah. You know, and, I, I'm still writing the rough draft. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, right. Here we are a year later. It's it's ready to just have the key turned, yeah. and we've and we've already got a head start on a bunch of stuff, right? Um, oh yeah. You know, it'll be year, a lot I'm, quicker to lay out the design this time because. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, a lot of the a lot of the. <clears throat> A lot of the hurdles, if you will, um, in producing content like this, right? You only have to get through them once, and then you know what they are, and they go th and they go quickly now. Like this next set of iterations, as we go through all the steps, will go through much, much faster. Um, the edit, the edit process, all of it, right? The publishing, we've got that down. We don't have to have weeks and weeks of those discussions anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. <clears throat> I'm really optimistic that 2024 is going to see the early part is going to see the release of volume one. Volume two comes out, you know, sometime later in 24 and 25, we'll see the, um, the actual end of the trilogy. Um, so it'll be, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going um, to be fun. Yep. <clears throat> I still, I still think that, um, you know, we should a little a little certain gnome wizard should just inherit the whole world. But it's... <laughs> and to people who listen to this, one day you will understand what we mean by that one yes. little gnome I, wizard. I, I think we'll need to start having that gnome wizard pop up more when the first oh, book yeah. officially comes out. Because mm -hmm. he's such a little bastard. You know, I almost want to get something where like he just goes right across the screen, right? Like, you know, some animation that can play on top of like the stream stuff or play it inside OBX. 
And, well, you, uh, you, you know what we need? Okay, this is totally stealing um, from the Y files. Instead of a hecklefish, we have a a, a little gnome, a little digital gnome, <laughs> just oh just God. spouting shit. <laughs> we do. Well, you know what we do? And and, and we need people it or uh, oops, um, gnome plushies. <laughs> gnome plushies. <laughs> we we are okay. So we are doing that, right? Because you know, obviously, we don't want the we don't want to ridicule our walrus, right? The walrus yeah. is the walrus, right? But people it. Yeah, the gnome. So. He's our he's our shit lord. You know what we need to do too is one day see if she'll do it. Um, get the real people and see if she'll she'll go on stream with us and do the for, voice. And just well, oh, she doesn't really do the voice, but she can just you know talk. She can talk about the days when it was you know me versus her on the DPS wars, warlock versus mage in WoW. And Didn't you also play shit. EverQuest with her too, or no? No, it was just WoW. Oh, j just WoW. Okay. Yeah, she would. She would be. She was the no mage, and I was the somewhat hacky warlock who was trying to keep up on the DPS meters <laughs> with the mage. Oh God. <clears throat> but I will tell you this: I did have crowd control on my side, so it's true. You know, feared everything. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, I'll tell you the one um, the one set of dungeons I really enjoyed was, uh, and I know we're just kind of going off track a little bit. Um, I forget which expansion it was in. It was it was um, it was in the expansion where the was it the Exodar were introduced formally into the oh, game. Bur oh, Burning Crusade. I think that was yeah, because it. it, yeah, it's with I'm, the drain eye and all that, and and the blood elves. Yeah. So there were there were some dungeons where. Um, Go to Kitty. There were some dungeons where uh, they um, there were demons in the dungeon, and you could you could control them as a warlock. You could take control of that demon. Oh, in the in the dungeon. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. I forgot all about that. Dude, I would do that constantly. I would get get a hold of one and throw him out there to like just get crushed. And as soon as he got crushed, I'd take the next one and you know throw him at throw him into the mix and I, it was great man i had a i had a blast with that one so oh god yeah uh, but, but yeah so we we should we should get the real people on here because she man she knows how to throw down the sass she was just yeah. as sarcastic as they get uh you know just constantly giving me shade and it was and it was so much fun so much fun well, as good as it is to go down memory lane, and we've probably got some more memory lane <laughs> stuff to go down, um, I've got some listener Q&A for us. Um, let's go. Let's do this. So, And if you're listening live and you want to get your question in, go ahead and ask now. But um, we've got some other listener questions that have come in, and we're going to start off with these. Um, our first question Okay, our first question is, how did Walrus Game Studio start? And then more for you, Dante. Okay, so um, so the other uh, the other co-founder of Walrus, um, his first name's Kurt. I don't think it's any big mystery. You can go to our website and you know see our names. Um, but um, <clears throat> uh, so Kurt and I, um, a you know <clears throat> lifelong friends, and. Uh, you know, we met way back when we were younger and, um, 
and I do say lifelong, although, you know, we, we met mostly just after college, but honestly, lifelong, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And, <clears throat> uh, you know, he, we both got married and kind of lost track of each other for a while, but then we reconnected. And when we reconnected, we had some ideas on some things we wanted to get accomplished, right? And um, ironically enough, the, the, the thing that was grabbing our attention is we wanted to do something around um, ra ra the Raspberry Pi and prosthetics and, you know, maybe being able to <clears throat> command the device to, you know, do some robotics kind of assistance because, uh, you know, there was a health issue in his extended family and he wanted to be able to provide some kind of like automation tools or, you know, things that, you know, I wouldn't say like the Star Wars hand that Luke Skywalker got, but, you know, something that could help people grab things and hold them better, you know, ro basic robotics, right? And so we wanted to kind <clears> of <throat> uh, use the Raspberry Pi as a platform uh, to, um, do some real engineering work around this, right? Mm -hmm. That's how it started. That's how we got back together. And I think at some point, Walrus might actually dive into that. But um, then the pandemic hits. And so pandemic hits, and Kurt and I can't meet anymore. And it's really kind of hard to do an, like a collaborative robotics project just kind of by yourself, right? Mm -hmm. um, and um, so we just start playing a ton of video games and we're playing and we had been playing Dungeons and Dragons with in like in real life in person. Um, but that campaign obviously falls apart because of COVID. And I know this is a long story, but okay. this is this is how this is how it starts. This is right. Genesis of <clears throat> Walrus. Genesis of Walrus. So so what ends up happening is uh, Kurt. Kurt and I get online and we start playing video games together. And then he says, Hey, you know, I, I know, I know these other guys that I work with, they play video games too. Why don't we get them in and play some games together? So it's not just you and I. And so we did. And, um, and you know, there's some other stuff to the story, but so we set up the discord channel. We get everybody into this and it's not, it's not the walrus discord channel either. There's, there's the black walrus channel and the white walrus channel. The black one is internal. The white one is external. <clears throat> There's no significance to the color except that they're opposites, right? So he's just talking about that. the icons, folk, folks. All right. Yeah, just, just <laughs> the walrus. Just, just the walrus icons, and because we have yeah. our, like you said, our public walrus yeah. one, which is the white icon. And then our internal one where we talk about just our projects is a black icon. So we, cause, so we can tell the difference. Yeah. It's, it's, that's all it is. Folks. <laughs> it's, that's all it is. Um, so just wanted to explain it before anybody takes it the wrong idea. Yeah. Don't, don't take it the wrong way. In fact, it's, I wouldn't even call it black. It's the negative. It's the inverse image of our, our logo. Yeah. Our logo is kind of a, a gray on white. And when you inverse it, it ends up being like um, kind of black on some kind of light tan color, right? So it's just the inverse of the image. Um, <clears throat> it has no meaning other than that, and we can tell them apart. But going back to the story, so we have a separate channel. It has nothing to do with Walrus. It was just a place where we played video games and talked to each other and 
um, so then we started playing D Dungeons and Dragons together too. So we played some video games, and then somebody randomly—I don't even know who—said something about Dungeons and Dragons. And Kurt and I were like, "Well, you know, we both play and we love it." And so Matt plays, and so we roped Matt in, and Matt—we got some other people that we know, some other friends. And before long, as a group of people, not Walrus Game Studio yet, but as a group of people, we were a playing video games and be playing Dungeons and Dragons. And then Matt one day says, you know, I've always wanted to write my own module. I've been working on this thing since I was a kid in high school. And I've got this great idea for, a, you know, for a world continent and storylines. And we're like, okay, you know, and we're like, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you flesh some of that out? Maybe we can play it. We weren't even thinking about publishing at that point. Then one day we're playing a video game and my son was in college at the time and he was um you know he was working on uh, a game design degree so by the way if anyone's looking for a young kid who's very uh, energetic and <clears throat> he's looking to use his degree to get a job in the video game industry but he's a uh, um and yes he does do some work for us but you know he needs to expand his wings and kind of yeah. get out there but Can't anyway. work for dad <clears throat> can't work for dad um but anyway so um so one day to make this super long story a, a little shorter one day somebody in chat says uh well you know how hard is it to make a video game and me i had been kind of dabbling with it because of antonio right i i loaded up unreal i started i was just horsing around with it on the side playing with it goofing off with it and i make the dumbass comment of saying well you know it's actually not that hard <laughs> you know, if, if you know c plus plus or some you know real low level language like that um <clears throat> and you got an eye for graphics and you can understand logic and those sorts of things um it's not terribly difficult so you know one thing led to another and before you knew it uh, people in our group expressed interest in doing something. So we said, okay, fine, let's do this. So Kurt and I said, well, at the very least you and I, we can, we will start the company and we'll make a video game and we'll see where it goes. Because I mean, it was during COVID. What else was there to do except, yeah, not you know, much. worry that not much. So <clears throat> we legally formed uh, walrus as a legal company and the rest is kind of history. Then, uh, Matt Matt said, "Well, are you guys just going to do video games?" And we said, "No, we're we we we're a gaming company. We don't want to just be video games. The word is gaming." So that's when we decided that we would bring Matt in, and Matt would work on the TTRPG side as well as you know play test for us on the on the uh, video game side. So that's really kind of it. That's that's the whole background. It, it's a very long winded story. I wish it had a simple kind of thing but it was <laughs> it was honestly more like a journey it's like, yeah it's almost like asking it's almost like asking frodo hey how did you guys end up destroying that ring well he just no, we know, just walked just, there yeah we just walked there and we <laughs> threw it in the volcano it's it's really there's a lot to the story yeah. um so it was just one one day after another day and before you knew it, there was consensus among some people that they they wanted to do something fun and interesting, um, and that's really where we're at. It's it's passion. Yeah. <clears throat> it all boils down to one single word: 
every person in this company had a passion to produce games whether they be video games ttrpgs we even have a we even have a board game coming up through yeah. the ranks we're, we're right been, we've been working <clears throat> on that yeah right so so we are an, you know an entertainment company if you will and everyone on the team has a passion for that so i think that's really how it started everyone just had a passion for an aspect of this and we had a company that we could <clears throat> kind of umbrella everything over so uh, but it's just two, honestly, two lifelong friends who said, let's do something. We've got the skills to do this. Let's go for it. No, I love it. I love it. All right. So we got our next question here. Um, <clears throat> sort of a two-parter. First, what is your favorite video game? And then the next part of the question is, and what is your favorite game series? Okay. I, I, I already know my answers. Um, I'll go first. All right. right. So my, my most favoritest game ever video game, right. Mm -hmm. Goes back. I would say it goes back to the arcade games. Right. Um, I loved Galaga. I was hooked on Galaga. Such a great game, man. I, I, I loved it. Plain and simple. Right. The other one I would give honorable mention to, believe it or not, was <clears throat> this kind of cheesy little – I don't know what to describe it other than a side-scroller, right, kind of thing. But it was this old arcade game called Spy Hunter. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I love the original Spy Hunter where, you know, you get inside the, the – you know, you got to drive into the, the yeah. truck – you get new special powers and then all you can put an oil slick down and it's just a dumb, stupid little game, right? That I could play between classes in college. I loved spy hunter. Just absolutely. It's a good game. It's a good game. Okay. Now, as far as a video game series, right? I, I got to give it to world of Warcraft, man, flat out. Uh, look, you can say what you want about blizzard. You can, the management, there's a Uh, lot to say about blizzard. (laughs) You could say even a lot more about Activision, right? But we'll put that aside. But um, Blizzard management, you could say some things about. Put that aside. But if you want to talk about a a game series, right, that just survived and just flourished and is still going, I think it's going pretty strong. 20 years this year. Yeah, and it was a good expansion, too. Um, Oh, Dragonflight was amazing. Yeah, Dragonfly was a great expansion. It really breathed life back into it. Um, so I got to give it to Blizzard and World of Warcraft. Uh, and I hope that now that Microsoft's involved, that their management isn't so... Um, we'll see. Well, the way they are. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Um, so my favorite video game of all time is Final Fantasy VI on Super Nintendo. Okay. Um, for anybody who knows me, that probably shouldn't be a surprise. <clears throat> And then my favorite video game series, you could probably see some of it behind me up on my shelf, uh, Legend of Zelda. It's Legend of Zelda. I, I'm looking at a replica Master Sword right in front of me. Um, I don't know if you can see. see, look, replica Master oh, yeah. Sword and Shield. Uh, Holy shit. That's yeah. for real, man. Yep. Real Sword and Shield. Damn. Um, well, and, if I ever have the cash, I know what I'm buying you—a for real version of it, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. 
I love Legend of Zelda. Um, it's just my favorite game series of all time. Yeah, it is. It really is. <clears throat> so now, uh, non-video game. I will just say this: non-video game. Of course, of course, it it was. Uh, how do I say this? I'm gonna go with my favorite TTRPG. I will go with um, D and D three point five and or the Pathfinder equivalent of that. Oh, Pathfinder first edition. Yeah, which is essentially I, it was essentially like three point seven five. Right. I really enjoyed that. Um, and and look, I don't want to turn this into a podcast about five E. Or the the recent activities of said Watsy Hasbro whatever right? Yeah. That's not what this is about. But Five E was great. It was a great way to introduce my kids into Dungeons and Dragons, oh, and yeah. it worked great. It was fantastic. It was a great way to introduce a lot of people into this, uh, you know, into this entertainment, right? Into this game, uh, and it worked great. It was unbelievably unbelievably worked great but after a while having played some of the other systems right and the the crunchier systems especially pathfinder and three five and you know some of the additions before that you know 5e started leaving me you know when i started getting in the mid ranks like you know getting a character to level 10 or 12 or something like that you know it really just it started it started mechanically not being fun Right. Like it, it mm-hmm. just seemed like it was um, it was just more the same. It was like the numbers changed, but it's basically still the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> you know, and uh, and I didn't like that. I, I you know, um, it's a great system. 5e is fantastic. I'm not dissing it. But after <clears throat> when you start really getting up there, it, it just didn't feel like it was growing with you. Right. Yep. Makes um, sense. And so, you know, I really now Pathfinder Second Edition, man. Oof, that 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 That, really that's kind of taken the spot as my favorite. Yeah, it's just been so good. It is. I really love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So, Um, all right. So, our next question here: um, What was the inspiration behind Network Engineer Simulator? Um, I think I can answer a little bit of this. Mm-hmm. Um, it started out as a joke. <laughs> I was, I, so we have our private discord chat where we talk a whole bunch of shit and talk about life and whatever the heck else. Right. Yeah. Um, not, it, not for public consumption. No, um, never <laughs> for public <laughs> consumption. Um, so I, I, I made a statement, um, in our discord, like, would anyone ever want to play a game where you just connect, you know, basically wire network closets? And and I posed the question um, in another Discord too, another friend's Discord, and I got reamed for it. Like that is the dumbest idea ever. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm just asking the question here. <laughs> and then so then our uh, programmer or developer, whatever the title, um, links then just decides to run away with the idea and then what like a week or two later shows us an extremely rough version of it and i'm like oh oh my god this I, is awesome 
I think I think rough is an under uh as a it was more than rough. It was better than rough. I mean, he yeah, had, yeah, better than <clears throat> yeah. Like he had cables and he was already clicking them into ports and the ports were lighting up when you connected the cables to it. Uh it was it was uh it was a working pre-alpha 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 demo if you will a proof of concept right it was a good yeah proof of concept to the point where he even had the cage he even had the door where you open the cage door and it flops open with a noise and you know the racks are right there and you know it's a couple of fake servers yeah and the the purple walrus logo was lighting up uh, you know instead of like dell or something else or mm-hmm. you know cisco and it was really slick. I mean, you know, yeah, and so it then, was. You know, I'll let you go ahead, man. It, well, like, like I said, and it just went from there, right? So it's just that was kind of the inspiration. It started out as a joke. The developer links took it from there and made it into what it's what it is and becoming today. And it's just yeah. started out as a joke, and now it's oh my god, it's kind of more <laughs> feedback than. I even imagined, like, ever. I mean, I never thought when, like, when I was, like, if somebody had said to me that, oh, my God, you're going to be writing code that mimics Ethernet frames on wire, <laughs> you know, like, at that point in time, I'd have been like, no, man, this, this, we're just having fun, man. This, he's just goofing off, right? This is this is just, yeah. it, was a, it was a joke and it's over. But see, nobody said that. That's the funniest thing. Like, so Lynx presents it to us and says, "Hey, Matt, here it is, right?" And and it was worthy of oohs and ahs, right? Like he did it in no time flat. Like he just like bam, there it is. And and it was really cool. And and he had just started working with Unreal too, so it's not like he had years of yeah. Unreal experience. He didn't. And so like he really knocked this together fast in a new tool. And we were like, damn, that's super impressive. But nobody really said, well, that's funny. Now let's, you know, what what are we really going to do? And so he kept working on it because because Matt kept joking. Matt would throw out the next joke. Well, what if it could do this, right? And then Lynx was coming back and it would do it. And well, then and, it was... And, well, <sighs> the, the other part of that story, too, is I had um, some coworkers of mine you know, I don't know if they were just joking with me at first or like not being serious because I brought the idea and they'd be like, yeah, I'd play that game. And that sounds awesome. And I, I you know, sort of like, you know, I, I don't know. If it, it was sort of you don't know if they're being serious and they don't know if I'm being serious as I'm asking them these questions. And then <laughs> as I'm relaying it to links and he's just then programming and then I'm. And then I start showing some of my coworkers like, oh my gosh, guys, <laughs> look at this. And they're like, I would totally play that. Like, holy crap, you were being serious. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's just it. So we, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's how it happened. And then, then, then we took it seriously. Like, I, it's not that we weren't taking Link serious. We, it was, what he was doing was crazy. It was great, you know? And the rope, like the wire physics, like he had he had nailed down like the floppy wire physics and all mm-hmm. that. And we're like, holy crap. And, you know, uh, yeah, we, so we rolled the dice. We put up the Steam account. 
you know, well, we had a Steam account, but we put together the yeah, the, the store page the, and yeah, the store page and all the the prep work and the artwork and the video and all that. So, by the way, if you're gonna publish something on Steam, um, it's, it's not hard. It's pain but in it's the butt. Pain in the butt, but it's straightforward. It's a straightforward pain in the butt, but it's not like open account, put game up. Like you got to go through some serious steps. Uh, like open a bank account, a real bank account, right? Um, yeah. And th th yeah, there's a whole Steam process. But if you're an indie developer and listening to this, do it. Get out there. Do all the things necessary for you to get your content up there on Steam or Epic. Make something, yeah. man. <clears throat> so yeah, that's pretty much the inspiration behind NetSim. Is, uh, started out as a joke and now, like, was it four or five months later? It's, yeah, here we are. Yeah. So close the next to what eight eight thousand wish yeah, lists eight, now. Yeah, eight thousand waitlist. Yeah, yeah. When I checked the yeah. other day, we were over seventy six hundred. I, I think nearing seventy seven hundred. Yeah. Uh, so it, 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 it slowed down definitely, <clears throat> but you know that's to be expected. Sure. When we start, when we get the demo out, I know that we'll probably see a, another uptick. Yeah. Um, so the next question we got is who are the engineers slash architects involved with NetSim? Um, okay. I'm one of them. I yep. have been a, I've been in the field of networking since 2007, 2008, I think. Um, started off as telephony, then moved my way up to like basic switching. And then just haven't stopped since then. Just, you know, work my way up to, you know, network admining, the network engineering. Now now I lead a team of network architects and where they design and implement networks for places across the nation. And it's um I love it. I personally love networking. It's I love mentoring newer people in it. And, you know, this is just a way for me to sort of you know, impart mentoring knowledge to people who are interested in it yep uh i contribute slightly in that vein only uh i was um so <clears throat> i have uh early networking experience with the mm -hmm. early uh ethernet implementations local area networks kind of when they when they were starting to come into um being in the 90s um and then a little bit on the internet side in the very beginning. Uh, I am nowhere near the capability of, of Zuby or, uh, you know, others. <clears throat> I think Lynx uh, definitely has experience with networking, so he knows what he's yep. talking about too. Um, and uh, and even even Kurt, uh, our our CEO, he um, he has a networking background as well. So there's. Um, Really, the a lot of the core Walrus people, in some way, shape, or form, can talk the talk, and some of them oh, can walk yeah. it. Yeah. So. Oh, oh yeah, all of us can, um, for sure. I mean, all of us come from IT, so mm -hmm. it's yeah. So w Plus, when 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 you start seeing some of these level designs that we're coming with, these uh, are not. Uh, or not real life scenarios that we've come across, <laughs> not at all. Wink, not wink. At all. <laughs> not <laughs> actual places that um, we have seen. 
like IDF closets. Not at all. <laughs> no, I've never seen someone rig a toilet flushing system to an AC because the AC was leaking and the building was too cheap to uh, buy proper drainage for the AC. Never seen that before. Or a, a data center that was being cooled with a Florida room air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen. I've actually seen a lot of those in Florida. Uh, oh God, dude! It was always hot in there. That that equipment aged much faster than it should have. Um. <clears throat> so, and you know, and here's the thing too. Um, shout out to a couple of our other guys on our private, like behind the scenes Discord. Um, there are there are some friends of ours who are not like officially walrus walrus, but um, kind of contribute. Yeah, to and us. They, they are network engineers as well. <clears throat> They're also network, yeah, or or network architects. And I, mm -hmm. I just I don't feel comfortable naming them by name because we don't know right. if they want to be out there. But yeah, we do have other people behind the scenes that you know mm -hmm. just give us ideas or correct us on stuff as they see us chatting back and forth. Yep. You know. And you know, and if they see this and they want to be called out, we'll call them out in the next stream, but yep. um, you know, want to protect them first. Uh but so there, you know, there's a healthy number of people that know their <laughs> know this stuff yes. that are involved in it. All right, so our next question um is how did Dark Storm Adventures start? Um That's all you, man. So, Dark Storm Adventures uh, so <clears throat> I've been playing D&D &D or TTRPGs since I was 12. Then I stopped for a little bit, and I got really back into it at the tail end of high school um, in my senior year. And that was, but it was D&D 3.5, or, or no, not 3.5, um, 4th edition. Was it 4th edition then? I don't remember what edition now. It, it would have been either 2nd edition or 4th edition, because I never played 3rd edition. Um, and so, at, you know, when you're a kid and have a very overactive imagination, you just start making up stories too, and, you know, making up your own worlds and whatnot. And I had no concept of, you know, like, Hey, this is a thing where people do world building and stuff like that. I was just having fun making stories and stuff and then DMing them for my friends. Um, like I, I've got so... I, I, I even recorded, I still have the written Word document of all my adventures I did for my friends from high school up until about age 23-24 of like ev almost every single session that, that we did in, in the world of Aspartia. Um, so, so I mean, yeah, that, that we came up with the world of Aspartia. Um, and you still then, have those notes? Yep, I still got them. Dude, it, it's about some... it's about fifty pages long. <clears throat> we should frame some of those. Well, I mean, it's all digital. It's um, I don't have like the original. Well, no, I still have the original original notebook somewhere, of like right. some of the early stages of it. But so, Dark Storm Adventures came about when I went up to you and Kurt and be like, "Hey, I want to help out, but I don't know anything about game programming. But you know, I've always wanted to write a book." And you guys are like, "Yeah, let's do it." And then I, I essentially had an adventure module sort of pre-written, but really rough shape. And then the past year, it's just been 
getting it into a much better shape and make turning it into a book. But the name Darkstorm Adventures actually came from Kurt because we were originally wanting to call it. Um, it wasn't Darkstorm Adventures. There was another name for it. Now I cannot remember. Um, yeah, that's right. It, it is Kurt. Kurt named oh, it. Oh, I remember. I don't remember the exact name of the of the series. But so the antagonist, Siric Silverflame, was actually called Siric Darkstorm at first. And then mm. when Kurt heard that, he just said, like, whoa, whoa, Darkstorm. Okay, I love it. Let, let's use that as the the title of the yeah. books and all that. I remember and, that now. And, and then at first I was like, well, that's the name of the character. Then I'm like, I let it sit with me and I'm like, I love it then because if we ever decide to write like a source book or a world book, you know, we have dark storm adventures, the adventure module line, dark storm source book or something, you know, whatever, like it's a source book line. Um, and so, I mean, that's pretty much how Dark Summer Adventures came to be. And it's, um, there's so much to the world that, and I think I've mentioned on previous episodes that we have a little world <clears throat> Bible that we've started. And I've actually, this past week, since working on book two, I've also been writing up notes for more lore of the world too, again. And it's, yep. I mean, that's pretty much the genesis of it. Yep. It's it's really um, it's been fascinating to listen to Zuby tell us about the world. I mean, it really has been. It's been amazing. Like, just you know, being his uh, being like his first line editor, not final content, not you know all the proper English and all that, but like the you know being able to edit it and you know point to things and say, well, what about you know. You know, thought about this or why would that yeah. person even show up there you know just <clears throat> it's so much fun to read his content and just you know it, it's you know no i appreciate that it's um it's fantastic we'll see and well no i no let's move on because i can keep going but um <laughs> no so our next because we've got three more to go and it's already getting a little bit late so um, do you remember the first TTRPG you played? And I'll start with you. Yeah, man. Listen, it's going to be... Um, I don't know if I can find it fast enough to show it on, on stream, but um, it was the original Dungeons & Dragons introductory box set where it had... Um, the dice were all different colored, and each color... Was it was the red box? Um, with it was the dragon the with, on the front. It, it was the one with the dragon on the front, yeah. on top of a hoard of money, right? Mm -hmm. It was, it was that. Now I'm not going to tell you what year it was, right? Because that's just depressing <laughs> for me, right? But it was, it was the original Dungeons and Dragons starter box, and I can tell you exactly what got me into it. So <clears throat> I'm sitting there, um, you know, in high school. Obviously, it happened in high school, and my best friend is sitting next at the time is sitting next to me in in English class and it was uh, we're just goofing off before class started right and he's like hey check this out <clears throat> and of course back then right news articles were on something called paper with with ink to represent the letters right so I, I, know. I don't I don't know what you're talking about crazy right anyway he had um but we had 
we had been playing board games again i'll make this a short story if i can but we've been playing board games um all through high school like remember panzer blitz from avalon hill we played panzer blitz from avalon hill mm-hmm. uh you know some other you know war game kind of things anyway so he he had this little thin magazine that he would get about you know games right mm-hmm. and i'll never forget this there's this um he opens it up and he's like, Hey man, read this real quick. Which, you know, I just want to get your thoughts on it. If you would do that. And so I'm reading through this thing and it's this article that talks about these college kids that, and it starts going through and describing the very bare bones concepts of dungeons and dragons. And oh, honestly, awesome. yeah. And honestly, the, the writer was nailed it. He, he, like it wasn't hyperbole he wasn't like he really understood what they were saying and he wrote it very well and it was exactly that and so i've read this article and i'm like yeah man i i think i'd do this like this sounds kind of weird and interesting so um i'll never forget um i did not have my license at the time so my dad drives me to the hobby store (laughs) <laughs> and I got this article with me, right? I've got the, the oh, magazine so and everything. Cool. Yeah. And I, w- I walk up to the guy behind the counter all sheepish, right? And I'm like, hey, so I'm reading this article about this new game or something called Dungeons and Dragons. Do you guys have this? And he just gets this big smile on his face. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, tell you what, you want the starter box and it's right there. And he gets the, the if it's called oh. the red box, it's the red box. He picks it up, hands it to me. He's like, this is it. And I forget how much it was. It was like dirt. It wasn't very expensive, right? So I paid for it and walked out of there. And I get home. Again, no cell phones, right? Back then, the phone was hanging on the wall, right? So I pick up the phone and I call Mark. And I'm like, hey, Mark, I got it. And he's like, what? I go, yeah, I went out and I bought the Dungeons and Dragons book. I'm reading it right. You know, the, I open the box up. It's got dice in it. Oh. And I'm, re- I'm, I'm reading the booklet, you know, because it was all little booklets, you know, and stuff. And I'm reading through it. And I'm like, oh my God, we can do this. This is, this is amazing, right? And we did. That's how we got start playing Dungeons and Dragons. That's and then, awesome. <clears throat> probably, you know, three months later, we scraped enough cash together to get like the DM's guide and the player's handbook. And we were constantly like exchanging them during, you know, like one day during class, we'd switch off and he'd take the player handbook home and I'd be working on the DM's guide. And oh, I that's, mean, dude, I love that. That's a way better story than mine. <clears throat> that's it. That's exactly how it all happened and started. And the rest is history. God. So I was younger than you when i started dnd i think it was like 11 or 12 um and i remember at the time i was playing magic the gathering a lot um okay. and i i don't even know i can't even recall if i even knew what dnd was at that age you know um t- to be honest because I, I i honestly cannot remember but i remember being at my friend's house and his older brother uh was seeing us either play magic or video games or something he's like hey you want to play this board game D&D or Dungeons and Dragons I'm like okay what do you do it's like you know so he starts describing it and I'm like wait I can make my own character I don't have to you know you know because you remember other board games you know you'd you'd be some character or something like whatever you know hero quest or something and you know so I'm like wait I can make my own character 
So I remember just, it was second edition just pouring over the player's handbook. And I'm like, a half-elf rogue sounds completely badass. And that's what we played for a little bit. Um, I don't remember anything about the character or anything about the sessions we did. But um, from there, like, after we stopped playing for a few months, like, I didn't play again till later in high school. But it opened up a whole new world of fantasy for me because by by when I was 11 or 12, I'd already read, like, you know, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and all that and familiar with, like, King Arthur fantasy yep. stuff, Beowulf and all that, but never really knew anything about Dragonlance or Forgotten Realms. And so sort of, like, by happenstance when I got introduced to D&D, then I found Dragonlance and Forgotten Realms, and the rest is history. And then I came back to it when I was... 16 17 18 something like that and pretty much haven't stopped since then yeah i equally good story equally yeah. good story man it's just crazy i remember the i remember my first character so i dm'd for that group a lot right but i remember playing a character and it was a it was a rogue basically that was my first character ever was a rogue <laughs> um i i even do remember I don't remember my my character's name, but I remember. Yeah, I don't remember mine. This this other guy in the group, right? Uh, I he played a warrior, and I do remember that name. I'll tell you offline. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like when he picked the name, I was like, "Oh God, are you going to take so, this seriously?" So one of the things that I just thought of this where. I, now that I'm thinking about the age that I grew up in, because I grew up in the beginning of the internet and, you know, not, not like the internet it is nowadays, but I, right. I know even back then there was a lot of popular online usage of D&D and TTRPGs. And I wish I knew that as a kid growing up, because I'm sure I would have played way more D&D online than I knew. But it just, that, that sort of thing, like never, I never thought it was a thing, right? Same with when I started creating my world. I'm sure there were already so many resources of, you know, how to do world building and all this stuff. It just, I didn't know it was a thing, you know? Whereas nowadays you can Google world building and get whole (laughs) tutorials and lessons on how to exactly do it. And Mm -hmm. while it's great, kind I feel like it kind of takes away the magic a little bit of it. Yeah, it does. Look... There was nothing like picking that that first box or book up in person, right? And thumbing yeah. through it and reading it and getting excited. And like you said, what? I can build my own character? I mean, <laughs> yeah. that was... I mean, you know, we had been playing board games. I mean, think about from our perspective, right? We were, we were essentially playing the ultimate third-person kind of game, right? We're playing mm-hmm. Panzer Blitz and... I don't know if anybody remembers Panzer Blitz, but it's a uh, look it up. It's it's out of print and out of circulation, but man, it was a fun ass. Um, I'm looking squad, it up right now. Squad level board game where you're you're playing. You know, you can have different units oh, that you're putting out on. The... I I think I recognize this game. Yeah, I, I think would give. I played it before. I would give anything to have a copy of that game in good condition so I could play it with somebody. And, uh, you know, I, I it, it was a great game, man. I absolutely love that board game. Um, 
But, you know, we had been playing that forever and a day. And, and of course, reading Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, mm-hmm. you know, all these uh, Sword of Shannara, right? So when this game comes along and says, you can create your own playable character and, you know, uh, you know, Sally played plays the role of a wizard or witch, right? Whatever. And I'm like, what? Uh, you know, you're, you were spot on with that. That, that was the hook, man. I can do whatever I want. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think I know what present I'm gonna get you for when I come <laughs> up to Ohio this summer. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I mean, look, Panzer Blitz is not very expensive, like pre-owned copies of it that look like in decent shape. Okay. All right. Now there was, there was, um, a looks secondary. Like there was, yeah, it looks like there was a lot of expansions with it or something or Well there so Panzer Blitz was the Western Front. There's another one called Panzer Leader, and Panzer Leader was yeah, the I Eastern Front. Okay. Right? Like one was the orange box, the other one was the yellow box. Yeah. Um but they worked together. Like they, they were one system, they could work together. So um, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you don't you don't have to do that, Matt. But or Zuby, but you know, <laughs> you, you you do what you want, man. You do what you want. Um. So, what's the next question? All right. So we got our last question of the night. Um, because we sort of answered our first character question. We both okay. played rogues. <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah. Well, well, your yours would have just been a human rogue because it was just humans yes. back then. Mine mm-hmm. was. I think second edition came out. They had half elves. I think by then, or am yeah, I lying? So, or would have been an elf rogue? Hold on, let me no, get my no, second edition book and find out. No, no, I think they had half elves. So I've got my second edition book right here. Dude, that should have a half elf in it. I I cannot remember. If it wasn't a half elf, it would have been a elf. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they did have half elves. So it was a half elf then. I played my character was a female human rogue. That was that was my character. I don't remember my decision for playing a half elf. I I think I was just reading everything and just it sounded the coolest at the time. Yeah. It it was a pretty cool class. I love the fact that they could like like if you were cuz remember back then, right? It was the game it is today so back then it was very it was very dungeon crawly you're you're getting together with your friends to go through a dungeon (laughs) hence the name right you are not you know you're not traveling from city to city and you know and uh wandering monsters appeared or you know some outdoor encounter that was none of that stuff right now don't get me wrong i'm glad that's in the system now because it's it's excellent gameplay but it was just a hand-drawn dungeon and that was the reason i played it uh, a rogue was so that i could pick the trap you know pick locks right to open treasure chests and doors and to disarm traps that was the only reason oh, I that, was that wasn't it. my reason i was i was a shitlord i wanted to steal from people and steal from my own party <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm, a, I'm pretty... 11 12 year old kid and i mean all of us, we were all shitlords to each other, and you know, it it was fun though. It was fun. Um, so our last question of the night is: Do you have a like memorable session or a session that really stands out 
oh, to you. God. Uh, and, yeah. and I, I, and there's so many that I can pick, but I've got mine that I can. That I can I've pick. got, I, I've got mine, and it's really not from any recent play. So, um, all right, I'll, I'll start. Mine's quick and simple. So, in high school, I kind of over-engineered a dungeon, and it it, it was a TPK, total party kill. Oh, I killed damn. everybody's character in one day. Like we've been playing with these characters for a while and all that. And I was and and I didn't mean to, but the dungeon was so hard that it killed. They did. They didn't give up. They just kept going and like thinking that I was gonna pull punches and I didn't because back then I was I was a kid, man. I was having fun and I killed them all. They were pissed. God, they were so angry at me. You know, it took. It took months before I could convince them to play again. Like they wow. were that pissed off at me. But we did eventually start playing D and D again and rolled new characters and um you know we never saw that dungeon again. It it got oh, threw it away. God. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I've had a few TPKs in my time as DMing, but I remember this one session. <laughs> I've got it written in my notes because it was back when in high school or college. Um, my players, there was only, I think, three players at the time. And they were in some town. Oh God, I, I'd have to look at my notes, but I don't remember. Something led to another in the town where they started a big fight, started killing people in a tavern. And then a whole bunch of guards come and they eventually get arrested. Um, they get tried, and they're on the gallows about to be hung, and all my players were pissed because they felt like, you know, oh, I was justified. I could totally kill people and all this stuff. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to roll a 20-sided die, and I'm going to write whatever will happen depending on what number you land on. So, like, I wrote on a piece of paper, like, you know, if they roll one through three death, you know, four through six death. And it, and it wasn't going to be a nat 20. It was going to be a random number in there that they rolled where I'm like, it's only one number that something will occur where that will actually, you know, deus ex machina them where they okay. will survive. And they happen to roll that number. And the deus ex machina was, I, and I, cause trying to think of an idea, I'm like, okay, they're all, they're going to die. There's no way they're going to roll this number. It's not a nat 10. It was like, it was a number between 10 to 12, I think, something like that. Okay. Um, and so and so they roll that number, and I'm like, okay, well, a giant monstrous bear will barrel into town at the same time and eat everybody, and somehow they'll be free from the gallows. I'm like, I, I wrote something that stupid. And then I'm right. like, so they roll the dice, and I'm like, my jaw just drops. And I'm like, I'm... I'm, I'm kind of pissed too at the same time i'm like I'm like and 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 all the players are like what what happened i'm like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> and i show them the piece of paper that i wrote and they're like what that <laughs> it was it was all death except for that one number <laughs> oh my god that's... and so i'm like a giant bear comes starts eating everybody in the town except you and his giant body like knocks the gallows over or whatever, freeing you. And you've got to think quickly on what you want to do. 
Oh God. <laughs> I'm like, that's fucking hysterical. I mean, it was funny. Like I, I laughed, but at the time I was pissed. I'm like, fuck you guys. <laughs> Dude, oh god, those are the those are the moments, though, right? Yeah. Uh, did I remember? So we, we were. This is not. This is not. Well, it's memorable, but it's not the kind of memorable we've been talking about. We were playing. We were playing. Kurt and I. Kurt knows this. Playing D and D just before the pandemic with some people, and one of them, their son, wanted to play D and D. Oh, I, I, I know like, which one you're about to talk about. <laughs> yeah, you remember that? And yeah. I kept trying to convince this guy, like, this isn't a game that, like, we want your, like, we want you, the grown-up, to please read this, this how this game works, and educate him, because, you know, <clears throat> I think that the kid probably had a good, like, he's probably good imagination, but he's... You know, he's just becoming a teenager in a room full of adults, right? Playing mm -hmm. this game. We're like, if you teach him, he's going to be good and he's going to be, he's going to fold right in and any age differences will disappear. Would you please, for the love of God, take this seriously and, and help him out because otherwise you're going to ruin this for him and you're going to, he could have a lifetime experience. But you're going to ruin it for him because you're not taking it seriously, right? Yeah. The only reason you're here is because he wants to be here, but he doesn't have the skills yet yeah. to be at our level. So would you please work with him? And he never did. That That's really the real reason why the kid behaved the way he did, right? Mm -hmm. in, in hindsight, I'm like, man, you know, if, if he had just taken it seriously, that, that kid would have a lot of fun, right? So. Well, yeah, and, and I think, I mean, that that could be a whole podcast episode we do there, like just, you know, DMing tips and all that, because, oh, yeah. I mean, hey, hey, let's do that for a podcast episode. Um, I think so. But that just brings up a really good point, because there was a time I was DMing for a local game store with a whole bunch of players, you know, from all walks of life, and you would have the people who... Would you know not take it super seriously, which is fine, you know, if that's what the whole group wants to do, you know, mm -hmm. that, that's fine. Like I'm okay with that. But if you have people who want to like play somewhat seriously, and then you're just going to be a jerk off, then it's going to be like, all right, we'll get the hell out of here, you know? Yeah, <clears throat> and it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't like we were being hyper serious, right? Yeah. We were, we we're is casual plus plus, right? Mm -hmm. But the problem, the problem is, is that like you know he the kid's struggling he doesn't understand the mechanics of the game nor is he you know he's not probably reading it you know <clears throat> could you you know could no. you instruct him uh and bring him up to speed and and i, I lay this totally at the parent's feet he he was yeah. kind of a dick so it happens yeah <clears throat> it happens, but no so that's yeah. all our questions there um and I think that's a perfect place to wrap it up that a future episode will be about stories of DMing and oops, I didn't do that. Um, stories of DMing and um, yeah, like tips and tricks and talk yeah, about playing our the game. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. I think that fantastic. You know, I, yeah. I think that, uh, you know, 
whatever I'll, I'll close with this whatever if you want to think about playing a uh, role-playing game just just pick one up man doesn't matter what it is D D, oh, yeah. pathfinder whatever there's lots of good ones there's science fiction ones out there hell there's even an alien on like in the the movie yeah alien you know just just go man use your imagination or make up things. make up your own yeah make I, up your own I, I i did that for a long time where we just made up our own it was like a mix of D and final fantasy <laughs> Which it was yeah. a lot of fun. We played that for a long time, along with D and D, and it was, you know, yep, it was fun. Imagine, yeah, imagine, yeah. It's fun rolling dice and just, and and that's the thing. Like, I'll I'll end with, yeah, it it, it is super geeky and nerdy to play these kind of games, but it's also, I mean, the fun of it comes from. You know, being with your friends, having a good time, laughing at the dumbest things you all can think of. Um, and especially if everyone's on the same page and having fun, there's nothing like it. It's, you know, exactly. it, it's not a board game where you're stuck on these are the only rules you can do. Like, you're only limited by what you can imagine. Exactly. Exactly. So. It's... <clears throat> Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun to imagine. It's fun to play games. Go do it, man. You know, life's too short. Yeah. So we will end it there. Um, thank you, everybody, for coming by the live stream. Uh, if you are listening on the audio or watching the VOD, thank you for listening and watching. Uh, stay tuned for any kind of stay tuned to our social media for updates on Darkstorm Adventures and Network Simulator. Uh, join our Walrus Discord. It's We're getting people joining almost every day here. It's growing. Uh, we want it to grow more, get a community going. We want to, you know, start getting some games playing too because I know at some point at this at some point this year we're going to start playtesting stuff and, you know, yep. get some people, get roll some dice. <clears throat> yeah, let's do it, man. Let's go. All right. Let's All right. let's go, man. All right. All right. We'll see you, Bye, everybody. everybody. Bye. Bye.